Good morning. I'd like to start by thrusting us into a really fun exercise, a really ridiculous hypothetical situation. You guys ready for this? I'm just going to go right for it. Imagine if aliens found out that on our planet there was intelligent life, you and me, and, and say they're friendly aliens, not like the movies where they're always mean, but they're friendly aliens and they want to know more about us. And so these aliens start coming to Earth. And then let's say, for, for just the sake of argument, <clears throat> let's say these aliens, the only thing that they know about us is our prayers. Let's say for the sake of argument, it's, it's not just the whole world's prayers. They're able to know the prayers of everybody in this room. And let's say for the sake of argument, they're like written on little pieces of paper that are teleported onto their spaceship as they're coming to find out more about us. <coughs> but that's all they know. Can you give me some water, somebody? <coughs> I did this last week, too. Let's say that's all that they know about us is simply our prayers, wouldn't it be kind of an interesting conversation to eavesdrop on, like, like as they're rifling through all of these different prayers? And honestly, if you're here and you wouldn't consider yourself much of a praying person, you're not a church person, you, you believe in God, or you're kind of a spiritual person, but you haven't prayed much, I think that you still have something to add to the pile of prayers, because we all pray at different times, when the plane's going down, when the car's out of control, when, when uh, we're about to get caught, you know, and we're like, please don't let them find out, please don't let them find out, and we're like praying, but we, you know, or, or pregnant tests. We all pray when we take pregnancy tests because those things take way too long. You know, like it, so we all pray. So we all have a little bit to add to the pile at least. And I think that you'll add something interesting to the pile. Thank you very much. <coughs> I think it'd be really interesting to see and to find out what their conversation might be like. You know, like they're rifling through and then one of them says, I think they'd quickly find out, okay, so they believe in this higher power that, 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 and this is their communication to that higher power and they're rifling through and one of them's like, okay, well, I think that this God character person has something to do with their food because they keep, they always pray right before they eat that it'd be nourishing to their bodies and another one's like, yeah, I, I see that but I also think that this God might be in charge of their travel somehow as well because every time they get on a plane or go on a long trip, they ask for something called travel mercies, whatever that means and then, and then like, well, another one pipes in and is like, no way, no way, I, I think this God is more like a nanny of some kind because these people pray for their kids all the time, Lord, Lord, be with my kids, bless my kids, direct my kids, correct my kids, you know, like there's all these different, you see all these prayers, and then, there, and then some of them is like, no, he's definitely like a banker of some kind, because there's a lot about money, and some of these have like sweat on them, you know, like, Lord, please help my finances, and that kind of stuff, Another one's, what, what about education, because every time they have a test, I see this prayer, like, Lord, help me do with my best on this test, you know, and it just wouldn't it be kind of, oh, I'm about to fall off here. Wouldn't it be kind of an interesting conversation or to, to, to see, wouldn't it be interesting to see what aliens who know nothing about us but our prayers would say, what would, what would aliens learn about us through our prayers and what would they learn about our God through our prayers? I was thinking about that this week and I thought, well, as long as I'm going to subject them to this and, and put them through this exercise, I should probably put myself through it. And I started thinking about my own prayers, especially in the last couple of weeks. And I pray. I, I, I'm a Christ follower. I want to be like him. And so a prayer is a part of that. And I started thinking about my prayers and thinking about the way that I pray and thinking about what I ask for. 
And I, I thought to myself, I don't know if I would want to be a part of that conversation where they figure out what I believe about God and, and my, my relationship to him because I'm afraid they might come to the conclusion that, that you know, Josh looks at this God and the relationship between the two of them, they knew nothing else besides my prayers. They might come to the conclusion that I just see God as a big vending machine in the sky. That, that my prayers might be boiled down like, okay, God's a giant genie, a cosmic genie there to grant my wishes because I'm constantly asking, Lord, be with me, Lord, bless me, Lord, be with this, be with that, help me. And, and uh, here's the thing. I, I don't want to, um, I don't want you to come to the wrong conclusion. I think that God wants us to bring these type of prayers to him. I think, in fact, in, you'll see in Scripture that he asks us to bring us the, the, our requests to him. What, we, what is most concerning to us concerns him. Somebody sa- uh, said that once. I heard someone say that once. Like, is there something that's too small to pray for? Like, it uh, it's really seems big in my life, but it's, is it big in God's life? He's so big. It, isn't that tiny in his life? And somebody said this once to me. They're like, if it's important to you, it's important to God. Because you're important to God. And so hear me correctly. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray and ask for you know, help with this or our kids or finances. Like, I think we should bring those things to God. But I kind of wonder, is it possible that God wants more from us in our prayers than just our wish list? Is it possible that, that like any good parent, God wants to give us good things? Like, like you, if you're a parent, you would like to give your kids good things, but you just, you, you want to be a little bit more than Santa Claus to them. You know, like, is it possible that just like you, when, when, that you don't like it when your kid approaches you and you can see it in their eyes that they're about to ask for something? You can hear it in the tone of voice, daddy, mommy, and you're like, what? <laughs> what? You know, like, it, you might as well put in your pin, pin because I, I know you're about to just treat me like an ATM. We can see that from a mile away, can't we, parents? I wonder if God feels that way sometimes as well. I wonder, and I wonder if God longs for more for, uh, from us when we pray that he, he longs for more of a connection, more transparency. I wonder if God actually longs for uh, something like for it to be almost intimate when we pray. We're in this series called Coming Home. And we called it Coming Home because we felt like this highlighted the type of relationship that God longs to have with us. That there's a sense that, that God wants to have a relationship with us that's, that feels like we're at home with him. That's characterized by meals al- around the dinner table. That's characterized by long conversations in the living room, like, you know, on couches where you're comfortable, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, it's 1 a.m. because you've been talking for so long. A relationship with him where we're at home with him, where we're making a meal together in the kitchen and laughing. See, we believe that that's the type of relationship that God wants to have with us, and that's why we decided to name this series coming home. And and not only does God desire to have that type of relationship, if you were with us last time for part one, we looked at all the things that God has done in order to be in that type of relationship with us. 
We looked at the Bible from literally cover to cover, from the, 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 the Garden of Eden all the way to the book of Revelation. And you see, like, literally in the book of Revelation, you see God moving heaven and earth in order to be with his people, to be with his children. That's the meta narrative. That's the thread throughout, is God wants to be with humanity in a very specific way. Not only was he willing to do a lot in order to be with us, he was w- willing to give his son in order to be with us. And, and we talked about this last time, that, that when Jesus died on the cross, it was like he handed us this. We gave you guys keys last time. And it's almost as if God was, when Jesus died on the cross, he handed us a key and he says, this key does a couple of different things. The first thing it does is it, it, it unlocks the shackles of sin that you have on your arms and your legs so that you can be free. You are no longer identified by your sin. You are going to go and sin more, but even that, I will forgive that. But the key doesn't, it does more than that. The key, see, through this we start to learn that God, not not only can we believe in God, not only can we be saved by God, but we can actually come home and be at home with God through things like prayer, meditation, scripture memory, fellowship, community. That God, again, he desires to be with us. Not Not only is he desired, not only has he done a lot, he's also made all sorts of different ways It's called the spiritual disciplines for us to be with him, to be at home with him. And a spiritual discipline, just in case, that's any activity that connects us to God. Anything that we do, fasting, service, prayer, reading the word, being with one another, intentional relationship, anything we can do, it's like we're taking this key and we're, we're coming home, opening the door to being at home with the Father. That's what coming home is all about, is we want to be at home with God through the spiritual disciplines. And that's our goal for for us. Now today, we're going to talk about prayer. And we decided to talk about prayer first because it really is, it's, prayer is unique out of all of the spiritual disciplines. It's probably the one that's the most powerful, that has the most potent for connecting us to God. I think it's because prayer can go with us anywhere. We can pray anytime. We can't fast every day. We can't, you know, we can't only read scripture so much. But like prayer, like we, God, prayer is God's way of being with us throughout the whole day. And so we, we decided, you know, we need to start with prayer because it has this ability to be a constant companion with us on a, our spiritual journey towards God. Now here's the thing with prayer though. That I, I, I want to call it out. If you've ever struggled with prayer, I'm really glad you're here today. If you've ever had a, a point in time that you're like, when it comes to prayer, I just don't get it. Like, I just, like, like I, I, I'm not sure it works. I'm not sure how it works. If you've ever felt silly praying, I'm really glad you're here today because all of us have, okay? The, 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 let's just call this out. We feel silly in prayer because we're talking to somebody who isn't there in the room with us. And in any other context of life, that's just plain weird. Like if you just walk down the street talking with somebody and they're like, nobody's there, you're going to get judged hard. People are not kind. Like, like, you know, like it's not cool to do that. But here we are in prayer. You're talking. You're in this room by yourself talking to somebody. I know it, sometimes it feels weird. It, sometimes it feels silly. For some of us, we've tried prayer. and It didn't work. And we prayed for our mom. We prayed for them. We prayed for our friend, and they died. They didn't get better. They're still doing this. They're still, you know, whatever. We prayed for all, the, and it didn't seem to work. If you've ever been there, I want you to know you're in good company. 
because all of us have been there. All of us have been there with prayer, and I'm really glad you're here today because I think today will actually help, and not just a little bit. I think it'll help a lot. We're going to talk about one simple prayer today. My, my, I, have one, I have one prayer that I want you to pray this week and set aside, set aside some time to pray this week. I'll tell it to you here in a minute. And I think that this prayer has a way, uh, the potential to make prayer really valuable in your life. No matter where you are, no matter who you are, where you are in your spiritual walk, I really think that this has a lot to offer this one prayer. Now, in order to look at, introduce this prayer, I want us to look at a verse that actually doesn't even mention the word prayer. And I wrestled with this this week. I was like, there's lots of great uh, passages that talk specifically about prayer, but there was this one passage, it's out of the book of Romans, that I really, I just couldn't get away from because it, it, it talks about this principle so well. And just so it was a warning, as we dive into this passage, for like the next seven to eight minutes, maybe even a little bit more, I'm not even going to say the word prayer. But just so you know, I didn't get my sermon notes like mixed up or something like that. Like it's on purpose. So just bear with it. It's setting it up well. Now, it's in the book of Romans, and it's written by a guy named Paul. Paul wrote about half of what we call the New Testament. And the book of Romans actually isn't even a book. It's really a letter. It's a letter from Paul written to his friends, his Christian brothers and sisters in Rome. And what's interesting about Paul, if you're not familiar with the story, you need to know that Paul is not a very likely candidate to write one book of the Bible, much less like a big chunk of the Bible. Paul wasn't even a likely candidate to become a Christian, mainly because before he was a Christian, he hated Christians. He actually went and arrested them, had them in prison, and sometimes killed, okay? The moral of this story is, the reason I wanted to share this is, if you've ever felt like you're not worthy of God's love or not worthy enough to be used by God, I just want you to remember this one name, Paul. Because if you ever feel that way in the future, my guess is you're not feeling that way because you killed Christians. And, you know, Paul was still loved and used by God. And even if you have killed Christians, I want you to remember one name, Paul. God used him in incredible ways. Paul wrote the book of Romans, and in chapter 12, he, he writes this. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. All right, let's leave that up there. Let's, let's look through these words. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, when he says brothers and sisters, he's saying, basically saying, this is for Christians. What I'm about to tell you, what I'm about to urge you to do is for Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're not a Christian, this is an option. You don't have to do this. If you are a Christian, this is Paul, who's a pretty, you know, like he's a big deal. He's urging us to look at this this way. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, God's mercy is everything that he has done throughout time to make it possible for you to be with him. God's mercy is if you've ever had a time with him where you felt his grace, you felt forgiven, you felt like you had a connection with him, that's God's mercy. If there's ever a time where you prayed for something and that prayer was answered, that's God's mercy. Whatever your story is, Paul is saying, in view of that story, I urge you, to, he goes on to say, I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. 
Now, this was, is weird to us, this idea of sacrifice. It was a little less weird to them because they lived in a culture where sacrifice took place. But what he's saying is he's, he's not saying, I want you to literally sacrifice your bodies. When he says bodies, he's kind of doing a play on words like you used, you know, like, like you, know, you know how you used to put a lamb up on the altar? We no longer put lambs on the altar. We bring ourselves. And it's, we don't sacrifice ourselves literally. It's a living sacrifice. We bring, like, in worship, when we come to God, we need to bring our very selves, our minds, our hearts, our resources, everything we have, we should bring that as a living sacrifice, as a perpetual sacrifice, day in and day out. In view of what God has done for you and for me, we should just offer this to him. We should just give it to him as a living sacrifice. And, and, and why? Why should we do this? Because that's holy and pleasing to God. And this is your true and proper worship. That is God, this is all that God has ever wanted. That is, worship has never been about the killing of animals in order to somehow appease God. That from the very get-go, even in Old Testament times, what God really wanted was our hearts. That in bringing that, that sacrifice of an animal to him, which was something that was very uh, uh, valuable to them, it has always been a symbolic gesture, do you understand? to represent one's attitude towards God. I'm going to do this. I'm going to offer this to you because you've been gracious to me. Worship is to give him our very selves. That's what he finds most pleasing. It's because he, he loves it. When, when, when we bring ourselves to him, he cherishes it because that's what he wants. He wants us to be at home with him. He wants us to give him our very selves. And that's what Paul is talking about here. Okay, how are we doing? Check in here. Right? I know that's a little deep. Bear, bear with this for a minute. It's setting it up nicely. Let's continue. Verse 2. Paul goes on to say, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. He says, do not be conformed. Do not, do not allow yourself to be conformed. There's a pattern in this world. There's a current. There's a way. There's, there's a norm in this world. He says, don't, and basically what he's saying is, I don't want you to conform to it. I don't want you to just simply do what everybody else is doing. Here's, here's another way of looking at it. He's like, Paul's saying, don't be like this guy. You know, that there's a pattern in this world, and if you're not careful, it's going to be like, next, 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 and you're going to be one of them. This is how we view debt. This is how we view women. This is how is marriage. Check, check, you know, that there's a pattern in this world. And the reason he's saying don't do this is because the ways and the whims of this world, what's normal in this world, they'll, if you just kind of go with the world, you'll just end up where everybody else ends up, whether you want to or not, good, bad, or indifferent. Like if you just kind of go with things, don't really think about things, next, next, you'll end up wherever the world ends up. Now, if you don't think it's this way in life, I want you to think about a book. Here, I'm going to put this guy right here. I'll stay right there, buddy. Okay. I want you to think of a book or a movie that's set in a different time period. It could be 1,000 years ago. It could be 500. It could be 50. It could be 20. 
in a different time period. Some of my favorite movies are time period pieces where they do a really good job of bringing out the culture and the way that people looked at the world and that kind of stuff. Have you ever watched one of those movies and you start to see some of the things that, that even the good characters are doing? You start to see the way that they're looking at life and you start to say, how in the world, like, how, how could they do that? How could they think that way? How could they treat people that way? How could they, you know, how could they know, how could they think that this is good? It's simple. It's because back then, whenever it was, 100 years ago, whatever, there was a current. There was a pattern. There's ways and whims of the world, and people, it's really easy to just kind of get flowed with it. And here's the reality. 100 years from now, people will look back at what we are doing today and say, how in the world could they do that? How in the world could they think that? How in the world could they treat this, you know, people that way? How in the world could they treat the world that way? You know, like, how could they do that? It's simple. Because there always has been and always will be a pattern to the world. There's always a, some sort of force through culture that makes things normal. Normal at, when it comes to debt. Normal when it comes to money, marriage, the way women are viewed. There's always a normal. And Paul's saying, but not for you, brothers and sisters. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Because in the end, you're just going to end up wherever the world ends up. And then he goes on to say what he'd rather them do. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. This word transformed in Greek, if I sounded it out for you, it sounds almost exactly like metamorphosis which is where, you know, like that's where the English word metamorphosis comes from. Is, is, and I always think of, when I think of metamorphosis, I think of a caterpillar and a butterfly. Like I think of this little worm-like creature that all of a sudden one day is metamorphosis, metamorph transformed into a <laughs> butterfly. You know, like it, it's, it's one day it's, it's this simple, unassuming worm, and the next day it becomes this beautiful, unique creature. That's what Paul's talking about here. He said, I don't, he said, you're, you know, there's, there's similarities between conforming and transforming. Both are changed over time. One, one, of, those, one of those ways is, is changed by external forces, shaping it and molding it into something. Uh, the other one is being changed, uh, uh, and, and one of them ends up as something. The other one is changed into something on purpose. That's transformation. And that's what Paul says, this is what I want you to be. Basically, what Paul is saying is this. He says, I don't want you to be this guy. I want you to be this guy. I get even better. Don't be this guy. Be this guy. You got to stand him up here. Hold on a second. He's not going to stand up. There you go. Oh, oh. Be that, be transformed is what Paul is saying. So, simple question, and then we'll end. I'll pray. What do you want to be? Would you rather be a conformer or a transformer? And it's simple. Like, you know, what are you going to say? No, I want to be a kitchen tool instead of an action figure. You know, like, I, I know it's kind of funny, but, but like, it, Paul's putting it in such a way, he's like, I want you to be transformed. And then he goes on, what he says next is so important is so insightful because he starts to talk about how to, how to pursue transformation rather than be conformed, how to be transformed, how your life is changed, how to pursue life change in your life. And, and here's the thing, before we read these words, 
Isn't that what we want? Isn't that, maybe you don't want it right now, but there's been a point in time in your life where you're like, I wish life was different. Isn't it, there probably will be a point in time in your future where you're like, I wish my marriage or my finances or my relationship with my kids or whatever, I wish that life was different. I wish I could change my life. Paul's about to tell you how you can do that. Isn't that what we all want? Isn't that why you came to church? Isn't that why you came back to church? Isn't that why you brought your kids to church? Like, you know, hopefully they get a little something of that on them because they want some change. Isn't that why some of us left church? Because we just stopped seeing the point. Like, what is this, you know, what does this give me in my life? Isn't that why some of us have a hard time praying? It's because we're pursuing, we wanted life to change. And for some reason, when we prayed, it didn't. Paul's about to answer this right now by saying this. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you want to be transformed, Paul is saying, you need to renew your mind. Now, I want to pause for a second. And I don't want us to blow past this because this is pretty incredible. Paul wrote Romans in 57 A.D. Okay, this is almost 2,000 years ago. This is way before Freud, way before Erickson, way before Dr. Phil, way before behavioral science and psychology was even a thing, way before neuroscience was even a study. And Paul makes this insight. If you want to change your life, it starts with your mind. He basically says this. He says, life change always starts with mind change. Put that, script, that, that slide up. Life change always starts with mind change. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is a brilliant, this is a brilliant insight. If you want to change your life, it starts right here. How many of you have ever tried to kick a bad habit? Let's, let's be honest. Let's raise our hands. Okay, thank you for your honesty. Thanks for your transparency. I like that. If you ever tried to kick a bad habit, usually where you start is you start to remove yourself from the thing, the substance, the her, the him, the mall, the food, whatever the thing is, you, you, you're, you remove yourself or remove that thing from your life as much as possible. But if you've ever kicked a bad habit, you know it needs to go beyond that, right? Like that's a good start. Get yourself away from whatever that thing is that you'd like to stop doing. But if you've ever kicked a bad habit, you know that it has to go beyond this. That in the end, if you've ever kicked a bad habit, you know that, the, that, that what changed was not the thing, was not the substance, was not the shopping center. It's not like all shopping centers just cease to exist, right? Eventually you knew that you were going to have to come face to face with that thing and temptation would be there. And if you've ever kicked a habit, you know that what changed is not the thing. It was your mind. It was your perspective on that thing, right? It was your, your way of looking at that thing, that substance, that behavior. And then all of a sudden, when, you, when your mind changed, your behavior and your relationship to that thing changed. Anybody with me on this? Like all of a sudden, you just wake up one day, and it usually happens over time, right? And you wake up one day, and you're like, I look at this differently. It's because life change always starts with mind change. This is exactly what Paul 
is saying here. He's saying if you want to change your life, start by renewing your mind. Now, I'm going to make a bold statement here. I think that the best way to do that is through prayer. I think that there's nothing better when it comes to renewing our minds than prayer. I think the best way to renew our minds is to do it through prayer. I think it's the most effective way. And here's, here's why. To renew something, the process of renewal, is, it, 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 renewal looks like this. Renewal is just simply the process of taking off the old and putting on the new. When you want, if you want a renewed mind, if you want to renew your mind, you take off what's your old mind and you put on the new mind. How many, if you've ever had a chance to restore a piece of furniture or a car, you know this process well. It's a very arduous, very, very um, time-consuming, at times mundane process where it's like, yeah, you, like if it's a car and the fender's, you know, uh, rusted or dented or whatever, you're, you're tempted to just kind of work on that one area, just paint, you know, paint the new over the old. But the problem is if you do that, you'll ruin both. If you're doing it right, you have to strip off all the old before you even think about putting on the new. And it takes time. It's a process of taking off the old and putting on the new. That's what renewal is. Prayer, real prayer, not, Lord, help me, Lord, you know, I need this, Lord, need this, but like, like the next level of prayer is us coming home and being with the Father and saying, Lord, I bring all of this before me, my marriage, my finances, whatever's on my mind, this is how I look at it. This is my way, and, and I admit, Lord, that that's an old way of looking at it. I would like to see that thing the way you see it. I would like to see it a new way. I'm putting, um, in prayer, we have the ability to come to the living God and put down our old way of life, our old way of thinking, and take on his way of thinking and put on the new. The person who prays, the person who is a prayer, whose life has been shaped and formed and changed by prayer knows this one principle. They know that this, this is what a renewing prayer, prayer looks like. They know that this, and this is the one thing I want you to know from today. For if you forget anything, everything else, if, if you're counting tiles or trying to figure out how to put this screen in your basement for the Super Bowl this afternoon, and come, come back to me here for a second. If it, the, the praying person knows this one thing, I'm going to have you repeat it after me here in a second. If I can just see as God sees, I will do as God says. If I can just see the world the way that God sees the world, I will be more apt to do as God says. And then after, after I, I'm you know, able to do what he says, my life will be different because of it. My life will change. My life will be transformed because of it. I want you to say this with me. If I can see as God sees, I will do as God says. Say it again. If I can, I will. This is so important. This is so huge. This is the prayer of renewal. This, and this is the prayer that I want you to pray. This is what I want you to do this week. This is the one thing I want you to do this week. I want you to set aside 20 minutes of time for the Father. I want you to set aside 20 minutes to come home with the key of prayer. And, and I want you to come with this prayer. And I want you to say to God, Lord, here it is. Bring, and, and this is what's so cool, guys. Bring what's heaviest on your heart. Whatever's most on your mind, bring it. 
and lay it out before him. This is what's on my heart. This is what's on my mind. Big, small, or in the middle. It doesn't matter what it is. Whatever's most on your heart, bring that before God. But don't leave that time without praying the prayer. Lord, I know this is how I look at it. This is how I see this. But God, I want to see, see that. I want to see as you see so that I can do what you say. I want to see my boss the way you see my boss. I want to see my ex the way you see my ex. I want to see my homework like you see my homework. I want to see my future in the unknown and it terrifies me and I don't know where I'm going to college and I don't know what's next. I, 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 want, I, I, want, I have all that, but I want, I want to see that the way that you see that. I want to see as you see so that I can do as you say. I'm telling you, that's prayer. That's life-changing prayer. That's prayer that, honestly, and again, guys, this isn't a one-time thing because God's not this, you know, super, you know, like, rab- lucky rabbit's foot that we can rub on things. No, this is like we need to come in daily, come in day in, day out, come home to him and allow our hearts and our minds to be transformed by him. We need to take off the old if you've ever walked away from church because it didn't work, you may not have tried this. If you've ever wrestled with prayer because it's like, what's the point? I, I want you to try this. This is a different kind of prayer. I want to go back to our alien friends. Imagine if aliens could, all they knew about us was our prayers. What would they learn about us? What would they learn about our God. See, my fear, like I said in the beginning, my fear is that when they would look at our prayers, especially, I'll, I'll just speak for myself, that I'm afraid that when they look at my prayers that they would see that I'm just trying to get something from God, not see as he sees. That, that I'm not trying to, to see as he sees, I'm trying to get him to do what I would like him to do. What if we prayed differently? What if through prayer we, we brought our our, our, our things to him. We said, Lord, ultimately more, I would love for you to change this. I would love for you to help our finances. I would love for you to help my children. But more than that, I would like to see as God sees. I think the end result is a win-win situation. God gets to be with us the way in that transparent, intimate, connected sort of way as he gets to, I mean, if you're a parent, think about this. Come on. We get so tired of saying, do as I say, do as I say, do as I say. And sometimes we got to do that. But there comes a point in time where we hope that we can, with our children, we can say, I want you to do these things. I want you to do what I say, yes, but I want you to see as I see. Ch- child, I want, you to, I want you to see the world as I see the world so that you can do what I tell you to do. What if we could do that with God? And what if you could do that through prayer? What if God could connect, what if we could connect with God daily through prayer? But here's the thing. You hold the key. As much as he desires to be with us in that capacity, he can't make us come. We have to come home. What I want you to do is do it now. Pull out your phone. Set an appointment. Put it, put, it, put it on the docket. In fact, I'm going to do mine right now. Hey, Siri, 
make an appointment for me on Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Just wait for it. Okay, I can create your meeting. Note that you already have three appointments that overlap with this. Shoot. <laughs> I, li- I did not plan that. I did not. I thought 9 a.m. was. Should we pray? <laughs> Don't leave today without setting up a time to come home. Let, let's, let's pray. Lord, thanks that you want to be with us. Father, my prayer for us is simple. I, I, my prayer is that today and in the days to come, we can see as you see as much as possible. Lord, for some of us, we're, we're trying to do the right thing. We have a, a decision to make. We have a line to draw. And it's hard. We know what to do. We know what it is, but it's hard to do. I pray that you would help us see as you see. Lord, some of us, uh, we have good things. We're surrounded by a, a lot of good things in life that we're almost tempted to even forget about you. And I pray even, even in that situation, Lord, that you would help us. To us to see our good fortune, to see the, the, what you've given us as you see it, so that we can do as you say. Lord, I pray that we'd be renewed by you, that our lives would be changed and transformed by you through prayer.